I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. All right, welcome in, everybody. It's the Important Nonsense Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Bonham, joined, as always, by Mr. Neil Smith. Neil, how you doing this evening? Doing well, doing well. Getting ready to break down the NFC West. Save the, uh, save the chalkiest fantasy division for the end. You could have said save the best for last, but I appreciate you not lying to people. As no, very- no, no, no. I, I could have lied. I could have lied, but they'd get halfway through the show and then they'd turn it off yeah, anyway. Yeah. I guess at that point we got our click, but you know, <laughs> not going to get a lot As of always, all advice, rankings, and data based on a typical 12-team PPR league. So that means 10 starters, one quarterback, two running backs, three wideouts, one tight end, a flex, defense, and kicker with six bench. The expert consensus comes from Fantasy Pros, the ADP from our guys at Fantasy Football Calculator. It is the NFC West, as Neil mentioned. The Arizona Cardinals are where we begin. Defense made some major changes, with the biggest being first-round pick Isaiah Simmons, the phenom who could play both safety and linebacker. It looks like they're going to play him a majority at safety. Was this the last fails in the NFL, by the way, um, having a swing guy that you don't know what to do with, and then you can't get him a real position early in his career. This never fails. I mean, it's never. it's very reminiscent of Jamal Adams the way that he can play off the line and deep in coverage. He, he's a dual threat. I'm excited to see what he could do. I wish he wasn't on the Cardinals, go to a decent team, but it, it is what it is. Well, I'll take what I can get. Uh, <laughs> they'll be slightly improved, but they will still be a matchup to target every week. Offensively, they're bringing back basically the same group they had at the end of last season, except for the trade with Houston we mentioned back in our AFC South show. If you didn't already listen to that one, You should definitely go back and do so. David Johnson, of course, going to the Texans for DeAndre Hopkins. So quarterback, Kyler Murray, ECR, QB5. Hype is real. Consensus on our site, six. He is QB9 for me, QB9 for you as well, and QB5 in the ADP. Neil, we talked about Kyler Murray at the end of last season. First of all, we talked about Kyler Murray going into last season that he was going to be potentially a top 10 guy, but we didn't understand why people were already drafting him at QB seven because reminder, he was going QB seven to nine in ADP last year, depending on your format and your league. So he was already being overhyped at that point. He ended up finishing the year at QB nine. So he got you exactly what you paid for. You lucked out. Now here we are. The hype train has taken another step forward and he's up to QB five. So what's your take on Kyler Murray heading into this year? Well, as we know, you know, fan ADP typically follows the ECR. And the ECR seems to have completely jumped the shark, happy days style, and is now on its way to jumping an entirely different shark than the aforementioned shark. And it's uh, it's fascinating to watch. This seems to be some sort of uh, like pissing contest to see who can pump Kyler Murray up further in their rankings in the industry. And then beyond that, that trickles down into the actual fan ADP, which to me, the bloom has come off the rose here. I I don't see how you can possibly expect to cash 
Kyler Murray QB five, even with the addition of Nuke, and we'll get into that in a moment. But there's there's realistically very little meat left on this bone. In order to get him to five, the way we would have to rework the projections would be to kind of presuppose that they're just not going to run the football anywhere near the cliff that they ran last year under Kingsbury, which I believe is a mistake that you're going to see that much less of the tandem of Drake, Edmonds, and Benjamin, who we'll also get to in a moment. It's the only way that Kyler Murray could could get the amount of passing attempts he would need to do. Or, or the other thing I've seen, they seem to think Kyler Murray is going to amass some sort of Josh Allen-style massive rushing touchdown component, which yeah, that, there there's just very little evidence, actual evidence that isn't narrative-based uh, to actually back that up, which is why I've decided to keep him at nine. And I would have to believe I'm going to kick it back to you. I'd have to believe that's why you're not buying in on this either. So again, among quarterbacks last year, uh, in terms of just pure rush attempts, Kyler Murray was second behind Lamar Jackson. And everybody wants to hype up who's the next Lamar. And we talked about this when we you know, had the initial discussion in January, February, that you know, we were nervous about Kyler Murray because he'd be a top 10 guy. And then when they acquired Hopkins, he could definitely be closer to top five, but that would be more his ceiling. He just doesn't have the accuracy or the arm to put himself into that upper echelon one of one. And everybody in the industry kind of wants to pump him up as the next Lamar. But we've talked about this several times now in these division previews throughout the offseason that when everybody in the industry is looking for the next Lamar, the next Pat Mahomes, and they all focus in on the same guy, it drives up the ranking and the ADP to the point where it just doesn't make sense anymore. Uh, to what you were saying, Neil, in our projections on the website, we have him at 661 dropbacks. So that is designed passing plays. Again, he scrambles a ton. He has designed rush plays for him. The a second most designed run plays ahead of Josh Allen, ahead of all these other scramblers uh, by a significant margin. So it, he does run with the ball a lot. We have him with 77 rush attempts in the projection and five rushing touchdowns. But even with that, and a 64% completion percentage, and an increase in passing yards, and an increase in passing touchdowns, and putting up huge numbers, still comes in at QB 12. I, I mean, he would have to have a massive season to get up into the top five range, or to your point, he would have to put up some kind of nine or 10 rushing touchdown performance to be a Josh Allen type to take over that role. And I told you, I've made the comparison now, Let's not forget just one year ago what we were all doing. We were all in this exact same boat talking about former number one overall Oklahoma quarterback Baker Mayfield, <laughs> who in 2018 on a points or on a per game basis, he had 23 completions for 30 out of 36 attempts, 271 passing yards with two touchdowns. Per game, only three rush attempts for 10 yards per game, but still 20.16 fantasy points per game on average in his starts for Baker Mayfield in his rookie year. And what happened? This is why you have to be very wary of the uh, narrative based analysis. As we've said time and again, always trust the numbers because 
when you listen to the narratives, it's the same thing, isn't it? Former number one pick out of the same system in Oklahoma coming into a system with a bad defense where they're going to throw a lot. He's a mobile guy who can at least get some rushing yardage. He had two established pass catchers. He had Njoku and Landry, and then they added Odell Beckham in a trade. So we figured, oh, well, he was just going to completely go off. And his ADP jumped up to QB4. And what happened? He finished outside of the top 20 last year. By comparison, you look at Kyler Murray on a per-game basis, 22 completions on 34 attempts. So one less completion on two less attempts. Basically the same thing, 233 yards, 40 yards less, 1.25 touchdowns a game, six rush attempts for 34 yards a game with 0.25 rushing touchdowns. On a per-game basis in his rookie season, Kyler Murray put up 19.22 fantasy points a game, slightly worse than what we saw from Baker Mayfield in his rookie year. And yet Baker Mayfield completely busted out in year two. And now here we are, deja vu, doing the same thing all (laughs) over again. The only thing that I will say is we've made the hilarious comparison as well that essentially Josh Allen is Mitch Trubisky that can run. So the only thing that saves Kyler Murray is the fact that he rushes the ball more than Baker Mayfield does. So the rushing yards and the rushing touchdowns should keep him at least inside the top 20, but that's what's propping him into the top 12 for us. I mean, if I just go in my little spreadsheet here of our projections, yeah, exactly. We had five rushing touchdowns on him. If I take those five rushing touchdowns completely away, so just the 77 rush attempts for 412 rushing yards with no rushing touchdowns, He drops to QB 22. So the rushing touchdowns prop him up into the top 12. Again, he's not even a top 10 guy if he can't break five touchdowns. Neither is Josh Allen, which is the same thing. The same thing that he's going to have all these rushing touchdowns and be a huge factor in the rush game if you're taking them that high. Well, and then the narrative based Kyler Murray truthers on Twitter, which there are, they are belligerent and numerous. Here's, here's what they'll tell you. Oh, Kyler Murray is not Baker Mayfield and Freddie Kitchens isn't Cliff Kingsbury. So your whole argument is is falling apart, sir. And then what I'm what I, my response to them is no, exactly, which is why I don't think he's going to do what Baker Mayfield did and wind up at 23. That's why I have him at 9 cuz Cliff Kingsbury but in order to get to 5 where you want to put him, he's going to need to amass either I don't know. It, it was something like 10 to 12 passing attempts a game to, to hit that 64% accuracy, that many more yards and passing touchdowns by, you know, or he's going to need to add five or six rushing touchdowns to get to all about double digits and have a Josh Allen type season, which touchdowns are so fluky. It's hard to want to project somebody for that. But here's what I would tell you to do our listeners as terms of actual advice. So that's all well and good, right? That's the argument. That's why we have him where we have him. What should you do with that? Well, I'll tell you what you do. We talked about this last week, and we talked about it a couple times, actually, which is the basic idea you referenced a moment ago, which is a lot of people spend a lot of time trying to figure out who the next Lamar is going to be. And when you get involved in that exercise, 
you start seeing what happens with guys like Kyler Murray. He goes to QB5. So what do we tell you to do? It's the same strategy. It's a different strategy. I'm not looking for the next Lamar. I'm looking for the next Dak. Right. I'm looking for the next guy like that. I'm looking for the next guy who's going outside the top 15 that could finish in the top 10 pretty comfortably and has a lot of the positive markers that we like to list off as we go through that. So what I would tell you to do in terms of simple advice, just punt this whole situation, folks. Just let somebody else way overdraft Kyler Murray, sit back, let the draft come to you and help yourself to any one of the shiny, lovely toys that we've been recommending throughout all of these preseason shows, namely off the top of my head, Daniel Jones, Teddy Bridgewater for a penny, or, uh, uh, as we talked about off off air, actually the other day, not on the show, the fact that you, because of things like this, Drew Locke's ADP has gone down, so he's now at like what was it, twenty three? So you can effectively have Drew Locke for nothing. This is the advice that we would give to you: don't chase this. Just let the draft come to you, amass skill position players, which are infinitely more predictable, and just avoid this whole bear trap. Don't don't get Baker Mayfielded from twenty nineteen. Yeah, again, we've got him at nine. So for whatever reason, he slides and you can get him at a discount. That's great. But the ADP right now is five, and that's pretty comfortably where I've seen him go. I've seen him go as high as three. So, I mean, it's it's a little loony out there right now on the Kyler Murray hype train. And for me, I'm just completely out of it because, again, that's your ceiling. That's That's your best perfect case scenario. I can't imagine you're going to return investment on that. Well, we, we talk about confidence on projections. I had to like a lump in my throat when I put him at nine because I felt like I was putting him at just about the ceiling and to see him going at five, it's way outside of my comfort zone. So let's move on to running back Kenyon Drake, a guy who annually we're completely out on. Here we are. Who, who would have thought? Look at us. Kenyon Drake. This, this, I feel like, is tied to what we just talked about, by the way. <laughs> RB10 in the expert consensus, 10 on the site, 11 with me, 9 with you, and 11 in ADP. Again, it's not that I completely hate Kenyon Drake. I'm in the same neighborhood as everybody else. There's just a couple guys I'd rather have ahead of him, but he is going to be the workhorse. We saw last year in the eight games that he played with the Cardinals, he had an 84% touch share from the backfield. Uh, it was only Christian McCaffrey and Zeke who dominated more than he did. So, I mean, it's it's incredible to think what it is that that he was able to put together the last half of last season. So, yeah, I think this is kind of a slam dunk. Uh, right now, he's going pick 2-2, two, two, and that's about right. If I can get him with one of these solid uh, wide receivers as my number one running back, I feel pretty decent about it. I do, too. And I think people are even giving you a little bit of a discount based on my ranking. And my logic is I understand that it's Kingsbury and it's the air raid offense. But when you break down the projections, they actually run the ball at a fairly good grip at a fairly good grip. And he also was the primary pass catcher. Now, Chase Edmonds is going to be healthy and we can talk about, you know, Benjamin if you want. But what I really enjoy about Kenyon Drake is the fact that Chase Edmonds is actually healthy. Cause I don't think, look at what we've seen from Chase Edmonds in his career. I don't think he's ever going to get more than a 20% actual percentage unless Kenyon Drake goes full cake in the rain, which is not how we're projecting this. And as a bonus, he would, to me, Chase Edmonds would be the definitive handcuff. 
And I like guys in situations like that. Call me old school, call me old fashioned, but there is a certain amount of security that I've seen Chase Edmonds play football and I've seen Kenyon Drake play in this system. It's a nice one-two punch if you could swing it. And Chase Edmonds, as is, is we'll get into, is not a hot commodity. It's not a hot ticket. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's going 52 expert consensus, 47 and ADP. So the 10th round, pretty low investment for a guy that could turn out to be, as we've seen in the past, top 10, top 20. Fun fact about Chase Edmonds, he's the player profiler comparable to CEH. So if you like CEH, get Chase Edmonds nine rounds later. It's much there smarter. You there you go. And uh, profit. I think, you know, Benjamin is more of a name for 2021, to be honest, who's the last running you know back. Benjamin is a great name for Dynasty. You yeah. know, Benjamin is a guy that I've gobbled up in every Dynasty league I can just because, again, the Kenyon Drake's on a one-year deal. He's getting up there in age. We've seen Chase Edmonds not be able to stay healthy in the past. He also, I believe, is a free agent at the end of the year. Yes. You know, Benjamin has shown flashes of greatness uh, throughout his college career, and he just needs an opportunity in the NFL. I believe once he gets that, he could be one of these stud stashes that pays off for you long term. So name to know, but not relevant in redraft. Moving on to wide receiver, the nuke, nuke bomb, DeAndre Hopkins, wide receiver five in the expert consensus, four for our site, five for me, four for you, five in the ADP, going with the sixth pick of the second round. I mean, for me, the biggest concern about Nuke is the transition, right? We, we saw it last year with OBJ. Again, not to get stuck on narrative-based analysis, but Nuke in his career has struggled with different QBs. Deshaun force-fed him the ball, which is obviously the smart thing to do. It's the right choice. Yeah, that's what propped him up. I'm also concerned because he's been dealing with minor injuries for years, and it just feels like one of these times he's going to go ping I thought going into this year, this might be the year. I, I can't say for sure that's the case now because then that would mean that Bob did something good in Houston, and I don't know how on board I could be with that. Well, you certainly can't talk about it before it was to come to sure. pass because everyone's going to shout you down and no one's going to listen to you. So there's that. Um, but I don't really have too much in the way of pushback on this if you can if you can get nuke at wide receiver five because as we always say, don't buy too much into the narrative. It's important to know the narrative, but I wouldn't it's not your end all be all. And we have no definitive evidence that that that's gonna happen. You know what I mean? So in a vacuum, ceteris paribus, all things being equal, I kinda I I kinda just gotta go with what we know about the situation. But yes, to me the I agree with you. The biggest cause for concern if you're going to go this direction at the top end of you know looking at wide receivers is the transition with the truncated offseason uh and transitioning to a new quarterback yeah and we've talked about the fact that in houston who is he competing with will fuller for six games that's being generous to Will Fuller. Um, and then uh, a smattering of tomato cans like Kiki QT. And, outside uh, of his rookie year when he played with the natural Andre Johnson. I mean, there's nothing. It's his nickname. What do you want? I know. I'm sorry. I just, it still makes me chuckle because it, it, it makes me want to get him like a Wonder Boy bat. But outside that, I bet he has one. Like, who has he really played with? So, oh, no one. No one. Exactly. No one he was the ball for a reason in Houston. Meanwhile, here he's coming in with Larry Legend, 
Christian Kirk, the second year receiver who looked like he was going to be a stud heading into this year in a fantasy steal before they acquired Hopkins. I mean, you've got Andy and Isabella, Hakeem Butler, Keyshawn Johnson. You've got a bunch yeah, of young in the wide receiver core. They do. They spread this ball around. They're not going to just force feed Hopkins the ball. What I'm saying is, yes, I have him ranked five. I think he will probably finish in that range. But I'm telling you, if I'm at 2-6 where his ADP is, I can find something I like better than DeAndre Hopkins. I feel like I can find something that has less question marks. And and to be honest, I've, I've seen Hopkins go higher on name value alone. So I sure. don't think I'll ever really have to make that decision. But yeah, for me, I, I'm a little scared. My rankings don't reflect it, but I, I'm, a, I'm a little nervous on it. Well, we mentioned confidence before. Well, maybe they, maybe they do reflect it because, you know, normally I got nuke one. Right. So one, sometimes two in a weird yeah. year. But yeah, I think that's big. I think that's about right. It kind of bakes in the risk for everything. And to be honest with you, to, to be very clear, it, it dries up quick, folks. If you're at two, if you can find something you like better at two six, by all means, I'm not gonna you know get two. It depends on what it is, obviously. But there's also it's kind of still a short list, even at two six, of guys that I'd really feel that much more confident about than Nuke. So I'm not I'm not overly scurred, But this would be the riskiest year to own yeah. Nuke would be the thing. Well, we'll see. Like I said, like we we talked about it last week with both Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are in that range, and I'd I'd rather have either one of them in that scenario. Than dealing with the Hopkins and the new offense, the headache. Yeah, it's funny. I have them both ranked right behind Hopkins, so five, six. So I wouldn't quibble with you too much right. if your own personal right. adjustment was to take either one right. of them. So that I've got that's five, six because you don't. I if I could if I knew more about the target share, folks, the definitive right. way it'll go down. I'd rank them different. But the rest of the Cardinals, it's Christian Kirk, as I mentioned. We're all kind of in the same ballpark. Wide receiver thirty nine for the ECR, thirty six on our site, and with me. 37 for you, but 46 in ADP. People sleeping on Christian Kirk. I think it's the nuke effect. I think it is, and I think it's also the yeah, injury, the injury yeah. from last year. I think that's part of it. That some folks fair, but he had a real connection with Kyler Murray. And of all the guys on here, I feel like he's got the best shot to emerge and be the well, like a similar situation to Dallas, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Cooper, they've got CeeDee Lamb. And they've got Michael Gallup. And I feel like Christian Kirk could absolutely be the Michael Gallup of this bunch. Just emerge as the guy that everybody wrote off as dead. Sure. And all of a sudden is a top 24 guy. It is the best comp for 2020, given that their ADPs, if, when you break it down, you'd be able to, if you could, if, the upside would be the Michael Gallup projection we actually have for Christian Kirk. If he managed to get through everything and you could get him at wide receiver 46, that would be the argument for Christian Kirk. If that's, that's your feeling on it. So no, and he would be the Michael Gallup of this offense. Also Larry legend, not dead. Still in the slot. Still there. 63 in ADP, but we are much higher on him in general on the website and in our rankings. I am 20 clean spots ahead of everyone else on Larry Fitz. So I will own a bunch of Larry Fitz in the back end, and that's fine with me. In the ADP, he's going in the 14th round. There are a bunch of guys in that back end range that are upside rookies that I feel like are dropping too far because people are are now overreacting. Normally you have the, the rookie overranks where from preseason and from draft hype, rookies are going too high. Now we have reverse effect. Because COVID. In offseason yeah. where people are overshadowing what the rookies can actually produce and do. 
So I feel like the fading has gone too far there. Uh, so there are guys in Larry Fitz's range I could understand that would be more valuable and definitely have more upside, but consistent player, if something were to happen to Hopkins and it's a two-man route tree now with Christian Kirk and Fitzgerald, absolutely Larry Fitz will still have value, and I bet you he will win you at least one week in the 2020 season. Don't ask me which one, but <laughs> probably maybe two. And then same deal like before. Uh, Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler, Keyshawn Johnson. Names to know for down the line, especially after Fitzgerald is gone, because someone has to emerge as the third guy next year. But it's more dynasty stashes than it is for redraft. Before we move off it, for what it's worth, I think part of this from the expert level in the ECR has to do with how they view Larry Fitz and Andy Isabella, because I think the going logic seems to be that they're both going to play the slot. And I think that's why you see in the ECR, Andy Isabella at 87 and Larry Fitz at 65. I think they think that that's more of a real split at the expert level than we than we do. And what's interesting is the public has just chosen to say, you know what? I'm good. Just going to avoid yeah. all that. Just don't want any of it. And we're just moving on. So field everywhere. Most of them do. Christian Kirk plays a lot of the slot. So Christian Kirk is going to end up being the slot receiver more often than not with Fitzgerald on the outside and Andy Isabella is that fourth guy who rotates through wherever he's needed. Uh, So again, he's kind of the, in case of emergency, break glass wide receiver here. I think Hakeem Butler is still the fifth man. I still think he's the most talented of those back end guys. But again, I think none of them worth drafting or rostering until something crazy happens. Tight end listed as the uh, starter officially. However, Dan Arnold is the guy. And again, dynasty. And if you're taking a super deep flyer in a deep roster league, Dan Arnold is an interesting guy. We have talked about with knee Wallace Bruce. If you haven't been say, shout out to knee Wallace Bruce. Cause this is do a lot of his baby right here. But Dan Arnold is one of those wide receivers converted to tight end who could pop. And we saw flashes at the end of last year, the connection between him and Kyler Murray. So, yeah, I think at some point Arnold takes over as the starter. We have him leading the tight ends and targets. The problem, again, is you added DeAndre Hopkins. There's now a lot of mouths to feed. So it's a very, very outside chance that he actually pops uh, compared to to everybody else in that range. So somebody that you could grab off waivers because he will be there. but. Again, a name to note for down the line. Look forward to writing about Dan Arnold. I was going to say, I look forward to writing about Dan Arnold in the waiver column sometime in like week 12. Yeah, that's when that'll happen. It's hot garbage, as we talked about. So uh, we're going to take a quick break, Neil, and then we'll be right back. Support for the Important Nonsense podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Hey guys, it's Steve. It's summertime. The temperature is turning up out there, and you know when the heat is turned up, your undercarriage needs to be cleaned up. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. 
Now, when I tell you this is premium, I mean it is premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes, so you can take a longer shave. Take your time. You don't want any accidents down there. And the water-resistant technology allows you to even groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates your grooming area for a closer, more precise trim. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Let's not forget about the charging stand, people. You want to show off that mower loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. Look, if you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience this firsthand for yourself. Just head over to manscaped.com and use promo code NONSENSE. That's N-O-N-S-E-N-S-E. You'll get 20% off plus free shipping. One more time, that code is NONSENSE at manscaped.com to get your 20% off and free shipping today. All right, Los Angeles Rams, two years removed from the Super Bowl, Neil. This looks like a completely different team right now. They made a midseason trade to acquire Jalen Ramsey last year, and everybody was thinking they might push to make the playoffs again, but that did not happen. They had to let go Dante Fowler, Clay Matthews, Corey Littleton, Nikhil Roby, Coleman, all due to cap issues off that defense. Look, Aaron Donald, Brockers, Ramsey, they're going to carry this unit, but they will definitely be worse off than they were in 2019. Speaking of cap casualties, Todd Gurley and Brandon Cooks are also gone. Their replacements are rookies Cam Akers and Van Jefferson, respectively. They also made literally no changes on the offensive line, which is worth noting because they were one of the worst rated groups in the league last season. They were 26, folks, out of 32. 26 out of 32, which was killing Todd Gurley. So it's Neil's favorite subject every offseason, Jared Goff. The uh, ECR has him at QB 16. Our consensus is QB 17. I have him 15. You've got him 18. ADP is 19. I actually thought I was going to be higher than the ECR, and I know at the beginning of the offseason I was. I know he was in the 20s at one point, but he has slowly been creeping up as we get closer and closer to the season, and part of it is in our projections, I have the Los Angeles Rams leading the NFL in pass attempts. Like I said, that defense is going to be bad. Jalen Ramsey is a great corner. Absolutely great. People still threw on the Jags a ton and put up a bunch of points. One good corner does not a defense make. So uh, again, I, I just feel like Goff is going to throw the ball a bunch. We saw last year that they threw the ball, I believe, the fourth or fifth most. I can double check that real quick. I believe, it was, on Goff. I believe it was fourth while you look that up. Uh but I just want to say we haven't done this in a couple of weeks because, frankly, it hasn't been warranted. But again, shout out to you, America. Shout out to you. You did it. You finally got there. You got to the right conclusion. You, you don't need to overpay for Jared Goff because he is not in and of himself a good quarterback. <laughs> and he is propped up largely by the fact that they had a dominant rushing attack. And it really helps when you can have Sean McVay in your helmet reading the defense for you up until literally two seconds before the play goes or whatever it is. <clears throat> and we saw that defenses started doing last minute adjustments on him and he couldn't adapt and they couldn't run the ball effectively behind that horrible O-line. 
there, to me, this is finally rated appropriately. Because if you're telling me that I've got him at 125, if you really want to go at 119, like the experts suggest, and take him at QB 16 because you believe there's some small amount of upside on that, fine. I'm not going to sit here and fight with you about that. My whole issue for years, as you know, Steve, has been the idea that people want to take Jared Goff as a inside of the top 10 type of commodity and are willing right. to pay over sticker. That's insanity. But if you want to take Jared Goff as your second quarterback or you want to wait on quarterback and get him at 16, 17, 18, 19, great. I have no, I'm not going to sit here and fight with you. So congratulations, America. We did it. We got, we took one more year, but we made it. We're finally there. So that, and uh, to your point, they're going to throw a ton. 2018, right? When uh, that first like seven or eight week stretch where he was like QB five. Yes. And people just fell in love with that. And then he fell off the face of the earth. And then no one cared. Has never recovered. Yeah. And it's because so. defenses, the NFL will catch up to anybody who's not in and of themselves uber talented. And I believe that's what's happened here. But to your point, as a backup quarterback on your fantasy team on an offense that's going to have to throw a ton to stay in games, it's going to be ugly, but there will be something there for you. Sure. And when we talk about bad QBs in fantasy football, just look up Bortles, comma, Blake, Winston, comma, Jameis. I mean, that's you all go. you need to know. That's that's a lot of history. Don't pay, on that. Don't pay sticker for that. And finally, we're not doing it. Finally not. Uh, so the running back situation is an interesting one. So you had Daryl Henderson, the rookie last year, who, remember, got all the hype. He was going to steal the job from Todd Gurley, Neil. He was going to be the guy. Malcolm Brown's the pass catcher out of the backfield. And now this year they draft Cam Akers, who was on a bad team at Florida State and looked mediocre for a lot of his college career, but now comes on to a bad team and is going to somehow be the miracle bringer. He's going to just take him to the promised land, I guess. He's he's the next Todd Gurley, according to everybody, because RB29 in the ECR, RB30 on our site, 32 for me. 34 for you and 30 in the ADP Daryl Henderson left for dead. We all have him at the high forties, but the ADP is 48 people just hate Daryl Henderson. This is the interesting part of this conversation to me is Daryl Henderson's the hate on Daryl Henderson, where I can have him against drafting against regular people. I can have him in the 10th round at pick five. Well, that's yeah. That's what a steal in the ADP to what we've already talked about. You can have Daryl Henderson, who could be the starter, who at the very least for the first month of the season is probably splitting carries with Akers at the same price as Chase Edmonds, who's the handcuff, two rounds later than Alexander Madison. What is happening? Nothing logical. Nothing logical. The starting running back for the Rams this year. And... Uh, again, last year he was the guy, right? He was he was the Messiah. He was the one that was going to steal the job from Todd Gurley because he's so good and such a force of nature. But but no, well, one was, year later he's already dead. Amazing. He was very much the Cam Ackers of last season. He was <laughs> the rookie coming in to unseat the veteran on a team that people had very high expectations for. And I think part of what people are not analyzing appropriately is we talked about it already. 26th in run blocking last season, and you made no improvements. So, okay, if we're going with the the analysis there that 
that's what hurt Todd Gurley more than anything because he had 30 less carries in 2019 than he had the year prior when he was lighting the world on fire. Remove him from the equation. Got it. All that has to go somewhere. So you split it up between Cam Ackers, Daryl Henderson, and to a lesser extent, Malcolm Brown. This, to me, starts to take on the appearance of the running back by committee bugaboo that we've been talking about. This is the year. This is the the season of running back by committee. The NFL is kind of tipping its hand, and in a lot of spots, we're not going to see some of these guys have one job. But to get to Cam Ackers being running back 29, you're saying that, no, it more or less is his job, and you're saying that he's going to end up in a position where he's going to get 65-ish percent of this entire backfield. And what I'm here to tell you is, nah, I'd pump the brakes on that because I think it's going to be a lot closer. He will have the lion's share ultimately, but it's Daryl Henderson is going to be much more of a factor, particularly early with a truncated offseason. But I think that's what people aren't getting because that's how I account for the death of Daryl Henderson here. They're not analyzing that they were 26 and run blocking last year. I think they've just associated, free associated Daryl Henderson bad at football is what the analysis seems to be happening, which is how he ends up at the 10-5. Like a lot of people just got like burned yep. by Daryl Henderson last year, which has so nothing out on it with him. And for what it's worth, just for the record, last year, Todd Gurley was going running back 10 in ADP. Daryl Henderson was going at running back 40. Right where he's basically like 10 spots higher than he's going right now. Same offense, behind the same line. Todd Gurley finished the year at RB14. There's obviously a role in production there, and you have Henderson going in the same spot and Akers going at 30. Someone's going to emerge. And even if they split the job, I think they both end up in the 30s. You have a situation like Houston last year with the Thunder and Lightning when you had Duke Johnson and Carlos Hyde, who both finished right around 30 at running back in PPR because they kind of split what a full workload is. So somebody's going to emerge from this, and and from what we're seeing here, Daryl Henderson is clearly the higher value. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's the much easier path to ROI is Daryl Henderson. And then Malcolm Brown kind of is what it is. Uh, You know, we're a little bit lower than the ECR and and the other guys on our website. But I think that's closer to reality than what the public is doing, is my greater point here, because the public's at... The 602 for Ackers, the 105 for Henderson, and Malcolm Brown is going undrafted. I, I think people are just totally misreading how this the actual public is misreading completely how this backfield is actually going to work. Because all three of these guys are going to see playing time. There's no there's no way that that's not going to happen. Always, this is your uh, annual reminder to hashtag free John Kelly. Yes. Put him on a team. Make it happen. Just like Darwin Thompson. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, wide receiver. Robert Woods is the wide receiver one. Yes, you heard that right. Uh, wide receiver 15 in the ECR, 14 on our site, 11 with me, 11 with you, 18 in the ADP. He is wider, or Cooper Cup is wide receiver 16 in the ECR, 10 on our site, 7 with me, 10 with you, and 15 in the ADP. Robert Woods and Cooper Cup the tandem. So last year, remember, you and me both had Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, and Brandon Cooks all ranked like 17, 18, 19 in different orders. But they were all right there next to each other in the 17, 18, 19 range because we were like, we don't know what happens. Yeah. Who is it? 
One of them is going to be great. Somebody's probably not going to like. Someone's going to be in the top ten. It'll it'll fix itself, but there's no way to know who was the and general what problem. Was Cooper Cup was top five for most of the year. Robert Woods was top twelve, borderline top ten, and Brandon Cooks fell off the face of the earth. He he dealt with the concussion at the end of the year, which really crushed him. But he was in the twenties before then, so he basically just lost out. Was the odd man out, and now he's gone. So the third man is now Josh Reynolds. We know who the first two are, though. It's Woods and Cup. It's their show. The question was, oh, does somebody have a better chance at targets? Does someone better in the red zone? Is somebody better at the touchdown? No, the only argument against any of them is Cooper Cup. At the end of the year, when they started playing more two tight end sets, Cooper Cup's fantasy production the last four games of the season was... Horrendous. I mean, there's no beating around the bush. It's, it was terrible. He looked bad. And if they continue to play that way, then yes, you should definitely be scared about taking Cooper Cup in round four, pick four, where he's currently going. But hey, if you're that scared of Cooper Cup, Robert Woods is right there in the exact same area. Just go ahead and get you that same thing. Because the reason we have both of these guys so high, as we already talked about with Goff, they are going to throw it a ton. There is a lot of targets to go around, and these two are going to be the primary focus. And there's no, there's no way that that's going to be shaken by anything that could possibly happen. So you just got to draft the information that you have. And it's funny because we had them at 17, 18, 19 last year, to your point. And that's kind of why I have them at 10 and 11, because now there's only two of them that you have to worry about. And that's, I, I hate that kind of paint by numbers analysis in a real way, but it is very accurate here because it is almost impossible to divine who will get the lion's share of it. Someone is going to, is going to be an utter PPR God this season and probably finishes in the top five. But since there's no real mathematical way to actually divine it because they really are one, a one B it's that close. Uh, I've got them at 10 and 11. And I feel, I feel great that at that price tag, given what the ADPs are, that I will own one of them in just about every draft and don't really have too much of a preference as to which one. That's going to be that's going to be your tandem of of really reliable guys, and that are you really interested, Steve, at that point in the whatever the leftovers will be for a Josh Reynolds or a Van Jefferson? Because someone's got to take on the shell of that Cooks role, right? Well, yeah, someone's going to take that slot role. Josh Reynolds is the incumbent, so he's the guy that clearly has the the path to get there. Um. Right now, 82 in the ECR, 79 on our site, 88 with me and 80 with you. Shout out to Jack, who was so depressed when they drafted Van Jefferson. Oh, I just remember him screaming, he's bad at football! <laughs> middle of the... Yeah, middle of guy we've talked about for years, that if anything happened to any of those three wideouts, that Josh Reynolds would be the number four guy who would step up. Right? He was, he was with a rare wide receiver handcuff that you knew if any of those three wide receivers got hurt, he would immediately step into a role that had a lot of fantasy value. And well, that folks, was, the case. he did get, well, that's not narrative based. Feel free to go reference any of the waiver columns from the end of last season <laughs> at any point. Cause he was the number one wide receiver pickup. I want to say four or five times throughout the, that 2019 season. He just, he slots right into that role whenever somebody goes down. So we'll, I mean, we'll see what happens here. Josh Reynolds is the guy that we have slightly higher again because of the crazy offseason. I feel like he has the the front runner spot here. 
Whereas with Van Jefferson, lack of a preseason is going to hurt him in a connection he could get with Goff in the first team. Uh, it's possible he finds his way into a role if something happens to Jefferson or one of the other guys, I suppose. But it, for the time being, I think it's Reynolds is the three for sure, and Jefferson is the four, and that's how I'd rank them. But I don't think either one, unless you're in a deep league, is worth drafting. No, you can wait for any of that to happen for you on waivers, and that's part of the allure of why why I'm at least higher on Woods and Cup is that there's just no third guy anymore. You don't have to share any of this huge dearth of passing opportunities with anybody who's real yet. So that's, it's very attractive. Um, but we should talk about the other elephant in the room here, by the way. You referenced people being scared of Cooper Cup, and I think this next guy is part of the reason why. Yeah, remember when Gerald Everett was a thing? Oh, what a four weeks that was. Oh, <sighs> wow, that's being nice. I don't even think it was four weeks. Fine. but <laughs> uh, No, Tyler Higby is the starting tight end for the Rams. He's tight end seven in the expert consensus and literally nines across the board. Nine in our site with me, with you, with the ADP. We all have him basically in the same range. He's in that coin flip area that we've talked about, basically between five and 15, depending on number of touchdowns, tight end is a crapshoot. So if Tyler Higby is the guy you want to bet on, good luck to you. You Uh, There you go. There's very little uh, that I can offer you in the way of certainty. Eighth round ADP. If you want to take a tight end because you feel like you're so set at everything else in the eighth round, then by all means, take Tyler Higby. I have no objection to it. I have him top 10. I'm not saying he's going to be terrible. I'm just saying there's better values like one Janu Smith. I was going to, I was just, you beat me to it. We need a drop for this because it's at this point, (laughs) it's a meme for the show. I would, the advice is wait. And it's solid advice. The same tired advice we've been giving just again and again is, if you want to take somebody at nine, I guess feel free if you're that solid everywhere else. But our advice as a show would be just wait on some of these values at tight end and don't get involved in this mishmash at the, you know, the eight, nine, 10, 11 spot at tight end. Just punt that whole situation. And uh, really, I think the best way I could sum up the entire Rams is because they think they're going to continue to run the ball at that clip, it's pumping up Cam Akers. And I'm, I'm, <laughs> what is that? I'm, a whole like round behind that in terms of what I think acres is. Cause you could just get so right. many different values They're They're assigning not enough value to Robert Woods and Cooper cup. Cause they're assuming they're going to run the ball at the clip they historically had. And it's, it's creating this nexus where, you know, Higby can go at nine. And I just, I think you and I would agree. That's not realistically what you're going to watch from the Rams this year. They're not going to be able to enjoy the Todd Gurley ask, you know, run totals that they've had in the past. Cause how bad that defense is going to be. Right. And I own one share of Gerald Everett and in a tight end premium league, I took him in the 20th round. So there you go. Like a literal Hail Mary. At this point, a name for the waiver wire. Otherwise, doesn't matter. Uh, Moving on, because defense is defense don't matter. We have the defense ranked high, even though they're probably going to be bad. But again, this is one of those scenarios where If you can get them later, that's fine because, yes, they're going to give up a bunch of points. They're going to give up a bunch of yards, but they're going to have the most possible opportunities to get turnovers. And when you have Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald, you're going to get sacks and turnovers. So there you go. Correct. Uh, San Francisco defending conference champions. They're bringing back basically the same unit defensively that carried them to the Super Bowl last year, with the exception of trading DeForest Buckner to the Colts. And then they drafted. Javon Kinlaw in his place. 
Part of what helped them last year was a weak schedule. We'll see how they can stack up against the defending division champion schedule this season. Offensively, Joe Staley hung it up, and that would normally leave a large gaping hole at their left tackle, except they were able to get all pro Trent Williams from Washington for an egg salad sandwich. <laughs> they traded Marquise Goodwin to Philly and then replaced him in the draft with Brandon Ayuk. They also shipped off Matt Breida during the draft clear up some congestion in the RB room and signed veteran Jordan Reed, uh, who's basically a coach, right? At this point. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a prospect coaching deal. Technically, he's backing up George Kittle, but that'll never happen. Uh, they're already feeling the effects of the injury bug, though. They've lost Debo Samuel for at least the first few weeks of the season, and Jalen Hurd tore his ACL again. Got a feel for that kid. Uh, their extreme depth will help them keep moving without missing a beat, though. So again, here we are, San Francisco, Jimmy Garoppolo, QB 22 in the expert consensus, 26 on our site and with me, 23 with you, 21 in the ADP. If you're in a league that rewards conservative play, then yes. Scott Fishbowl style league, yeah. Yes, exactly. If you're in a league where you know high completion percentage, low turnovers are massive, then Jimmy Garoppolo is a borderline top 10 guy. Otherwise you know, super flex league at best for Jimmy G fantasy wise. And that's pretty much all there is to say about it. Kirk cousins without the upside. So running back room is very congested still, even with getting rid of Matt Breida. Raheem Mostert is the guy we believe to be the starter. He's RB 28 in the expert consensus with 25 on the site, 19 for me, 21 for you and 26 in the ADP. You've got Tevin Coleman, who we all have in the mid-30s, ADP, ECR, everybody. Kyle Juszczyk, the fullback. You've got Jeff Wilson, who will come in and score six touchdowns randomly at some point this season, spread out. And then Jarek McKinnon, the ghost of Jarek McKinnon, still lingering around on that Remember him? I remember that. Boy, what a flyer he has become for people. He just keeps rising in the ADP. He's made it to the 14th round, which is getting a little dicey. The main three here are Mostert, Coleman, and McKinnon. They're going to be the ones that are most involved. They all have pass catching ability. They all have the goal line ability. They all have, they're all three down backs who can do it all. They're all interchangeable. Yeah, it's a Shanahan Shanahan offense. We know this. That's what they always do. So it's just, it's your guess is as good as theirs. Who's going to get the lion's share of the carries every week? Our bet is Raheem Mostert. And my reasoning behind it, I don't know yours, but not only his hot start last year or his hot finish last year, but then, of course, their run through the playoffs where they leaned heavily on him and the fact that basically three different teams have cut Raheem Mostert and not cared. And Kyle Shanahan has picked him up every single time. Yep. And Kyle Shanahan continues to be you the You noticed that, huh? You noticed that. It's the, the same guy. It's the same guy. It's like we talked about how why... Does Bruce Arians keep giving Peyton Barber carries for no reason? It's this guy. Why, why does he keep giving Andre Ellington a job for no apparent reason? He loves reason? Andre Ellington. Here we are again. Raheem Mostert is Kyle Shanahan's guy. And we saw Tevin Coleman, who also, in Atlanta, thrived in a Kyle Shanahan offense. But last year, outside of one huge 42-point game, Tevin Coleman stunk. Uh, Flat out. He was bad. So outside of one good game was not good in the starting role last year. He lost the carries to Raheem Mostert, who took over, and it became his job. 
I talked about it in a piece in week four last year that Mostert was the guy that you want to pick up because he had the best pass catching ability. He had the best chance to get you the points that you were looking for on a weekly basis at the cheapest possible price. And it paid off in the long run. So Mostert is the guy I am sticking with here, Neil. And I'm fine to be way ahead of everybody else, including the ADP. That works for me. Same with me. He's gonna, He, I believe, has earned the right, in addition to the whole, which is a very astute type of thing. It is always Shanahan that picks him up whenever Raheem Mostert throughout his career has found himself without a job. It's one man. Wherever he goes, he manages to just find a way to waiver claim or figure out something to get Raheem Mostert on his squad. He's, I think, after last season, Mostert has proven that he deserves to get the first bite at this apple with the 49ers for this season. What he does with that, we don't know. But I'm just saying, based on how my projections work, Raheem Mostert's going to be the guy out of the shoot, and I don't think he spits the bit. Not quite as high as you are, but I think he's certainly on the threshold of being a top 20 running back. So I think you're getting an extreme value even at my position. My greater note for the 49ers, just in general, is America. Please understand that they are never going to throw the ball as much as you seem to think they are. (laughs) Because based on everything else we're about to go through, I will tell you that I will stake my fortune on that running back room with the 49ers out kicking their ADPs and their projections, frankly, before I will ever stake stake my flag in the wide receivers led by Jimmy Garoppolo on an offense that is not going to pass that much. I think all three of the aforementioned running backs and with the outside of Jeff Wilson at some point week 12 on due to an injury or something, I think they all have value outside of what is being assigned to them. That's the way the projection works, folks. You're, you're not yeah. giving the running enough love to the running all the projections, part of it is, well, what worked and what didn't, right? They won the division. They went to the Super Bowl. They fell just short of winning a world championship. Last year, they were second in the league in rush plays, 30th in the league in passing plays. Exactly. And a strong defense. They kept the defense mainly the same. They got rid of one running back, but they gave a pay increase to Raheem Mostert. Well, they also get Jarek McKinnon back in theory. Right. So again, it's basically status quo. I don't understand why you would change the philosophy at this point. So last year, they threw the ball to wide receivers 49.9% of the time. I upped that to 52% just to try to help it out. Debo Samuel, everybody wanted to talk about before the injury as a potential top 20 to top 24 at least guy where I had him at 30. Now, right now, because of the injury, he's 46 in the ECR. I've suddenly become high on Debo Samuel at 43 with 42 on our site, 44 for you, 37 still in the ADP. People still reaching out there for Debo because he could come, he'll come back and he will be the one unquestioned. But outside of a two-week stretch when George Kittle was out hurt, Debo Samuel was averaging well, something like four targets a game. I, I had the official statistic. I posted it earlier. You can go back and look. But in the two games that George Kittle missed, Debo Samuel was getting 10 targets per game. And in every other game that Debo Samuel played last year, he was averaging somewhere around four. He was barely involved in the offense because they don't throw the ball. And that was with Emmanuel Sanders there, who, remember, yes. didn't do anything because they don't throw the ball. Now you've well, they, when they When they do, there's another guy that is the, the alpha. 
Yeah, <laughs> and it's not. And it's not a wide receiver. And Nyuk, the rookie in the draft. Remember, people Fun seem player. to about the fact that they got back Trent Taylor, who just a couple of years ago was their number one receiver and was a second round pick for them. Then you have Kendrick Bourne, who had a decent second half last year. You've got Travis Benjamin, Richie James. They had Jalen Hurd, who we talked about, um, had the ACL tear. Part of our issue was trying to figure out if it was going to be second-year player Jalen Hurd, who still hadn't taken an NFL snap that was going to emerge as the three, or if it was going to be Trent Taylor. Well, now suddenly it's just Trent Taylor, and Debo's going to miss the first couple weeks. So Trent Taylor has ascended to the number two in this passing offense, and yet undrafted. Yep. People care so little, but no, Debo's going to dominate. Debo's well, going to Over the last week, they have kicked the tires on every available wide receiver that played for anyone in their division. And they're looking at evaluating three of them because despite that laundry list of names with the injury to Debo Samuel and with, you know, uh, heard tearing his ACL, they're still thin at wide receiver. They need bodies. They need camp bodies. And they're probably going to have to carry some extra guys given how this off season's going and just the general kind of fragility of what's going on there. It, it makes me not want to trust any of it. It just doesn't, given all those stats we just gave you, the amount of time they actually throw to wide receivers, how are you going to sit here and assign a wide receiver 37 value to a guy like Debo Samuel, who's going to miss the first four games of the season? This is one of those weird times where no matter what the expert consensus does to pump the brakes on the Debo Samuel hype train, it's just blasting past all the red flags. Yeah. It's about to jump the track and go off the rails. Don't be part of that, folks. Be be smarter than that, because there's no way that he's going to be able to get that high, given the volume that he will enjoy. And can I interest you in one of these running backs again? Because I'm telling you, you're all criminally too low on that for how this team is actually going to work. And then the other thing that's blowing my mind, Stephen, we didn't talk about it yet, but I'm sure we will, is how people are treating Brandon Ayuk. Right. Ayuk is taken over as the number one guy in people's eyes. So 60 in the expert consensus. But 71 on our site, 67 with me. I raised him up a little bit after the Samuel injury, but not a ton. Again, he's still got to learn the offense. He's still a rookie. He's still got to get that rapport with Jimmy Garoppolo, and he's got no preseason to do it. You've got him at 77. You hate Brandon Ayuk. Which is hilarious because I don't hate Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk on our site. I took Brandon Ayuk in my dynasty rookie draft. (laughs) It's like... Brandon Ayuk is, 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 I think, a really interesting prospect. But what are you doing, America? In the 12th round at wide receiver 53? What is happening? Yeah, they, they love them some Brandon Ayuk. And the again, who... 12th round at that point, you're, you're taking a shot. You're, you're, you're hoping that he turns into something more than he probably ever will be. And if he doesn't, you just cut him. It's a 12th round pick. Why does it matter? So I get the logic. Fair enough, but at the 12th <laughs> round, you and I are, talk, are still looking at tight ends and fighting with each other over all our favorite tight end quarterback. quarterback that, yeah, so it's just not how... I would run my team, but I guess if that's your philosophy, I can't really fight with you too much, but yeah, that's, that's a little rich for me. Uh, tight end. There's not a ton to talk about because it's just George Kittle and he's two right behind Kelsey. If you want to make the argument for one, I'm not going to sit here and fight with you. No. But, and I'm, and if you want to, if you want to crater him, I'd urge you to check your math. That's uh, really it. Jordan Reed again is the backup. Ross Dwelly is going to be the backup after Jordan Reed tears something in the next couple weeks here. And then you've got the Niners defense, which is the Niners defense. Don't reach for a defense. Yep, that's, that's it. Period, end of story. All right, we got one more team to get through, Neil. We'll get to them after the break. All right, it's the Seattle Seahawks. You up? 
Seahawks lost Quentin Jefferson, Al Woods, Jadavian Clowney, Pete Carroll, Ziggy Ansa. Uh, they're filling those holes with first-round linebacker Jordan Brooks, second-round edge rusher Daryl Taylor, and veteran free agent Bruce Irvin. But, of course, the splash move. They sent the earth and the moon over to the Jets to get Jamal Adams. Can that one move save this unit from massive regression, losing all of those pieces? I mean, it worked for the Jets, right? Theoretically. so Theoretically. It's because Jamal Adams, as we know, is a special player. But to give up... The, to your point, the sun, the moon, and the stars. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> it's a big gamble. Offensively, it's mostly status quo. Rashad Penny is still recovering from that ACL tear last year. Uh, so he will start the season on the pup. If not the IR, he's going to miss a minimum of the first six games. So they signed former Texan Carlos Hyde. They also drafted rookie DJ Dallas to get some depth. And that's how we know if Pete Carroll is still up. This is how we know. So uh, Russell Wilson, QB4 in the ECR, five on our site, five with me, five with you, three in the ADP. People always love Russell Wilson more than the ADP or more in the ADP than the ECR, and that's fine with me. You go right ahead. If you want Russ, have him. Three should be Deshaun, as we've discussed many, many times, and we'll probably touch on again next week in the wrap-up show. Uh, But uh, but But if you want to do that, go nuts. Running backs, it's Chris Carson and the disrespect. Uh, Running back 17 in the ECR and 18 in the ADP. 15 across the board for important nonsense, though. Again, why are people so wrong about Chris Carson, Neil? It's because he gets hurt a lot. And I hate to say that, but it's kind of true. And that, that I think, is why people poo-poo Chris Carson. And I think also, too, normally it's Rashad Penny who I would go to here. But... The public is uh, seems to be aware that Rashad Penny's not going to play six games. So now it's just Carlos Hyde. They always they always want to get the handcuff too high to what, and and, dis, and devalue Chris Carson to which makes Chris Carson a value every year. Every year we have this conversation, and you can get Chris Carson in the in the, in the end of the second round for nothing. It's perfect. <laughs> Nobody will fight you for it. Yeah, ADP and, is fifth pick of the third round. So. Yes, a, a value potential. I mean, he's border. He's top RB two for sure, but borderline RB one with the volume that he gets. There if are- he ever could play the whole season, and the other knock on him was that he couldn't catch passes on PPR. I think that's the other reason they disrespect him a little bit. But he proved yeah, me wrong on that last year. He was catching those passes until he got hurt. That's the argument I can't refute. <laughs> that's the argument I can't fight with you. Yeah, but then it's Carlos Hyde, who is right now the backup, 58 in the ECR, 75 on our site, 78 with me, 77 with you, 64 in the ADP. Again, my logic there, Carlos Hyde's bad at football. We've been through this for many years. But other than that, um, no, Chris Carson is the clear-cut guy. So if Carson were to get hurt, sure, Carlos Hyde would take over for a little while. But when Rashad Penny comes back, he would cut into that. It would be at least a 50-50 split, plus you still have Travis Homer and the rookie DJ Dallas, who I mentioned in the open there. There are other people that would compete with Hyde. He wouldn't have the job 100% to himself at any point. So yes, he has some value because he's going to get the change of pace work. He could end up being a vulture at some point. But yeah, once Penny comes back, I think Carlos Hyde is the third guy here and basically just fades to the wayside. 
Agreed. Agreed. And that's the reason why Pete loves his running backs. So he's got to make sure he's got, you know, five, six of them at any given time. And Carson is the clear one. He's earned that last few years. If something was to happen and Penny was healthy, I think Penny would actually get, he'd start off doing what he did last year when he was having a little bit of success, kind of spelling some second down work, mostly third down work and trying to catch some passes. But they're going to give Rashad Penny another chance once he comes back. Because for reasons that escape logic, Rashad Penny, as we should remind people, former first round pick. Those guys get multiple shots, so Penny will get another opportunity once he gets back from his stint on the pup list, and I think once that happens, it's going to make trusting any of this very difficult, which is why you can't get too excited about Carlos Hyde, Travis Homer, or DJ Dallas. And again, he is ranked by all of us, Rashad Penny, that is, but it doesn't matter. You shouldn't be drafting him. He's going to miss the first six weeks of the season. He's going undrafted. Smart on you, America. Way to go. You did it. Uh, but that's just say week four, maybe week five, if you want to risk it, but week four, if you're the Chris Carson owner, go pick up Rashad Penny off waivers. Cause he'll particularly certainly... if you have IR slots. Yep. If you have IR slots, owning Rashad yeah. Penny is, a no, I would say if you've got IR slots, then I would just draft him at the end of your draft, yeah. throw yeah. him on IR and then grab somebody else off waivers. That would be the smart thing to do. If you're the, especially if you're the Chris Carson owner. If you're a savvy owner, like Jack likes to do, you grab the handcuff of someone else and make them pay for it. But yeah, pay for it later. But this is going to be hard to justify. I don't know how easy it is to be to flip Penny per se, but it is. You could get something. Uh, wide receivers. We've got Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Antonio Brown. Oh wait, sorry, that's I'm no. looking forward to the future. Sorry, <laughs> my bad. Uh, Tyler it's the Lockett. Alternate show sheet we made. Right, right. Wide receiver 19 in the ECR. 16 on our site and with me, 17 with you, 21 in the ADP. People hate Tyler Lockett. DK Metcalf, wide receiver, 24, 22 on the site, 17 with me, 21 with you, 19 in the ADP. He's the shiny new toy still. I have them ranked right next to each other. I think DK Metcalf could end up being a top 12 guy. I feel like one of these two for sure will emerge as a top 12 guy, but much like the 2019 Rams, I don't know which one yet. So I'm hedging my bet at 16 and 17 that it'll be one of those two, and I'm glad to own either one because they both will get a lot of volume, and they'll both at least be a serviceable wide receiver two at worst, but they both have wide receiver one upside, so that's why I have them ranked where they are. I understand going with the younger guy in Metcalf. The dude's just a monster, too, and it just... Oof. Yeah, based on... based on where he's being drafted, I'm not even upset about it. You know what I mean? You want to take him at wide receiver 19? I'm... Go for it. The guy's a freak. Like they don't make people that size typically who are that fast, who are that athletic. And people wanted to poo poo him coming in last year. He could only run two routes. Okay. (laughs) It doesn't matter. Like it hasn't mattered yet. He just runs down the field with his arm up and he gets a, a lot more red zone work than I think anybody anticipated. But the hate on Tyler Lockett is the one that I was slightly surprised by the hates. The hates a little real there. I think, uh, what do you attribute that to? Are people still burnt by the fact that he was a little gimpy last year for part of the season in a critical spot? No, I think it's the idea that Metcalf has taken over as the one. So people are out on Lockett in general that he that they're fading him. Again, the ADP always reflects basically whatever the ECR is. And as I said, Lockett is 19 in the ECR. So 21 is a slight fade, but not much by the public. Uh, in fact, when you actually look at the numbers, he's 45 overall and 19 in the ECR, but he's going at 5'3". 
So he's only going about six spots after where they have him ranked. Whereas with DK Metcalf, he's wide receiver 24, 51 overall, literally six spots overall behind Tyler Lockett in the ECR, but he's going at 411 wide receiver 19. It's just personal preference in that range. Uh, Based on this, it's almost looking like people are getting both. I would not want to own both. But yes, I would not want to own both. The ADP, it's very close. But yes, it's it, at that point, it's literally just pick your poison, and people would rather have the younger guy with the upside. Sure, and I think what we all agree on is that those are really the only two names. And I get, so and I think that's part of why they they're going there. Say it that way, but that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. I'm sorry, is Philip Philip Dorsett is gonna we're gonna is gonna be emailing the site apparently because. Yeah, Philip. Those are the only two guys that you would want to own who are wide receivers for Seattle. So I think that's part of why they're going as high as they are, because you can enjoy knowing that they're going to pretty much be unchallenged, given what else is available to you on that. And then uh, tight end, it's the old man in the Disley, right? That's what that tight end room is. You got got the bad, like the sad game show drop for that (laughs) job. No, I refuse to give you. Oh, okay, okay. No. All right, fine. Pout yeah. then. Just... Yeah, fine. I will. Oh, uh, you know what? Here's what I'll give you. You're welcome. Okay. Yeah. There, there. <laughs> uh, Greg Olson, tight end, 24 in the ECR, 25 on the site, 28 with me and you. Will Disley, tight end, 30 on the ECR, 37 with you, unranked on our site and with me. Neither one going drafted. They're too deep down the list to be drafted. We've seen Greg Olson be a top 10 tight end in the past. We've seen Will Disley on this same offense just last year be a top 10 tight end in the past. Limited sample. Either one of you, uh, do either one of these guys appeal to you at all, Neil? No, that's why I'm at 28 and 37. They, uh, that's why they, that's, that's where they belong. And, uh, yeah, really, if I had to guess, it's Greg Olson just based on history. And, uh, I'd say will the veteran presence, the veteran presence, and also the idea that all are fully healthy. So he's fully healthy today. We'll find out what happens in week one, but I think the veteran presence, and I think he's going to be able to establish a rapport with, with Russell Wilson over given enough reps that he'll actually have kind of a role. But unfortunately the Seattle tight end situation really just serves to frustrate the holy bejesus out of the folks that draft Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Because one of these weeks, as we know from every year, one of Greg Olson, Will Disley, or Jacob Hollister is going to have some sort of like two touchdown game that that they catch like, what is it, 20-something yards because it's just two catches, but they're both touchdowns. That's going to absolutely happen again. That happens every year in this offense at least once. And that's that's the frustrating part about it. They have no value in and of themselves. They're just a siphon for value from the wide receivers. And then uh, the Seahawks defense. 15 in the ECR and across the board, basically for us, you've got them at 12, nine based on name in ADP. It is what it is. I mean, they added Jamal Adams, so I haven't adjusted since then. I don't think I will. I think I'm good with where I've got them. I I just, I like too many teams in that division. You got to play Kyler and the high powered Cardinals twice. You got to play Jared Goff and the Rams twice. You got to play the rushing attack from San Francisco twice, plus 
they have the playoff contender schedule from last year. So I I think it's too much for me. I think they're going to give up too many yards and they don't have the guys that can take the ball away and be as effective to give you the points you would need in fantasy. Yep. But again, yep. And also, also crap shoot, take it in the 15th or 16th. It doesn't matter. Yeah. If it falls to you where you should be taking a defense at the end of the draft in the 15th round, go nuts. But anything that isn't that is a mistake. And that's it. It wraps up the NFC West and it wraps up all of our division previews, Neil. So next week we'll be back. We're going to go through and touch on some things that have happened since we broke down each of the divisions, some of the high stories from the last two months that we've been doing this. Uh, Where can people find you on social media? You can find me at nonsense underscore Neil on Twitter and the fantasy life app and get ready for next week, which I am already just officially going to spoil it. It's the CEH show. Wow. Wait a spoiler alert. Get ready folks. If you, if you want CEH takes tune in next week. Uh, Also happy like 103rd show to us in total important nonsense fashion. Just keep getting to mention. We blew right past the hundredth episode thing. We were going to talk. (laughs) Whatever it's, it happened. Good for us. We did it. Way to go. Click on the odometer. We made it. Uh, follow the site on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Nonsense FF. You can follow us in the Important Nonsense community page on the Fantasy Life app. Make sure you're subscribing to the pod wherever you're listening. Give us that five-star review. You can also follow me everywhere at Nonsense underscore Steve. And until next week, make sure you keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz. And you can find all the guys at ImportantNonsense.com. Kaboom! Kaboom!